Welcome to the I Have ADHD podcast, where it's all about education, encouragement, and coaching for adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Kristen Carter, and I have ADHD. Let's chat about the frustrations, humor, and challenges of adulting, relationships, working, and achieving with this neurodevelopmental disorder. I'll help you understand your unique brain, unlock your potential, and move from point A to point B. Hey, what's up? This is Kristen Carter, and you are listening to the I Have ADHD podcast. I am medicated, I am caffeinated, and I am ready to roll. I can't wait for you to hear today's episode. This interview is in the series of interviews that I did with my BIPOC clients on the theme that ADHD is not just for white people. And today I have a conversation with my client, Gabriella, whom I've come to absolutely adore over the last almost a year and a half that she's been in focused. I can't wait for you to hear the deep well of wisdom that she has to offer on today's episode. So before we get started, I want to highlight for you one of my black colleagues, Renee Brooks. Renee has taken a late life diagnosis and used it to uplift others. I'm reading from her website here and it's just brilliantly written. So it says, after being diagnosed with ADHD three times at the age of 7, 11, and 25, she was able to get the treatment that she deserved. She's the founder of Black Girl Lost Keys, a blog that empowers black women with ADHD, and she shows them how to live well with the disorder. You can find Renee at blackgirllostkeys.com. That name is so amazing. It's so good. Like, so relatable. Okay. Um, Or on social media, of course, at blackgirllostkeys. And I will link her information in the show notes for you if you want to reach out to her. I highly recommend that you do. All right, my friends, one of my favorite things that Gabriella says on today's podcast is that she is 50% Ecuadorian, 50% white, and 100% ADHD. I know you're going to love this conversation, so here we go. So I'm here with my client, Gabriella Taylor, and I'm so glad that you were willing and even voluntarily came on the podcast to chat about your experience as a person of color with ADHD. And I actually think that it would be interesting to start right there, if you don't mind, because I want to know when I asked, do you identify as biracial? And you were like, no, I don't. And I was like, okay. So like, how do you identify? What is your racial identity? That is a good question. And also I'm seriously so thankful that you are having these conversations. I think it's super valuable. And, um, yeah, I think I identify as white and Ecuadorian. That's just usually what I tell people when they're yeah. like, what are you? <laughs> like, My dad's from Ecuador, so I'm half Ecuadorian and my mom was born in Michigan. So I'm also just half white. Yeah. So w- when somebody says, so like when I posted in Slack and said like, Hey, I'm looking for my like BIPOC clients. Um, you know, would any of you who identify as people of color be willing to like come on the podcast? And you were one of the first ones that were like, sign me up. So that obviously like strikes a chord with you. So tell, just like, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think just growing up, 
I lived in a small-ish town um, north of Columbus, Ohio, so very Midwest. I went to a pretty small private school, and um, I was always one of very few other people of color, (laughs) and that was just obvious. Like, um, it was always something that I was aware of, but I grew up in white culture, so it wasn't ever something that I felt like distinctly um, was a difference in my life, but yet like walking the halls and just being around friends or like knowing like my grandparents speak Spanish to us all the time, like other people don't have that. Um, so like, I think it's it's just been a strange space that I think I've lived in. And I think the strangeness of like not being fully white or fully Ecuadorian has, um, probably been the biggest factor of me feeling like realizing like that I am a person of color Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like there has been a space where I like quote unquote fit in. So, yeah. Yeah. You, um, in your email, you called yourself a mixed bag who Mm -hmm. doesn't really, um, feel totally at ease in either space. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I, so my dad moved here when he was five from Ecuador with his parents and his siblings. And um, so obviously like he grew up in the States, like I've grown up also in the States and, um, but there's a difference between, um, I don't know, there's just, there's just a distinct difference in having a family that is, um, culturally distinct from the Mm. dominant culture and I think that even though my um immediate family was pretty again like white culture like there are just like things that are different and like it's just stuff that you don't really think about until like I, I was homeschooled first through third grade so I think fourth and fifth grade were really kind of um interesting spaces for me to step into because I just realized like that there were differences between me and um, my peers and not even talking about ADHD stuff which is its whole other thing but just like just realizing like man I don't have the same experience I don't have the same perspective as a lot of my peers do Um, simply because I have brown skin and my grandparents speak Spanish and are from a different country. (laughs) Like, it's just, um, yeah, I don't know. 100%. And then tell me a little bit about your ADHD diagnosis. What was that like? Um, Because it was pretty recent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was diagnosed um, November of 2019. And that honestly, I feel like was like the best thing in the world for me. Like that was just so helpful for me to make sense of so much of my experience in my life. Um, It was so helpful to understand, like, like I wrote out a whole document because of your um, episode about like pursuing a diagnosis. You said like, think through. And I think also like one of your episodes with 
the professional organizer. Oh, yeah. Um, and she talked about, like, for her autism, she, like, wrote out a bunch of stuff, too, and just, like, thinking through, like, how have I seen ADHD show up? And one of the immediate areas that I realized was just, like, in relational spaces with people, um, always feeling, like, just off, like, just a little too much, just a little too competitive, like, just a little too weird saying the wrong things at the wrong time. Um, always just kind of noticing like, oh, that like, we're not like supposed to do that right now. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I think that just like having that diagnosis and making sense of a lot of my like growing up and adulthood years of like, oh, okay, like these are the reasons why like I didn't think before I spoke and like why I like felt like I often kind of put myself on the margins so yeah it just it's really made sense of so many things for me and it's been so helpful to understand so I love that in our email conversation prior to this recording you mentioned that some of those like impulsive and maybe like quote unquote too much behaviors you would attribute to like your Latina heritage and tell me about like kind of figuring out like, is this kind of who I am culturally or is this my ADHD? I think that would be like a really interesting thought process if you don't mind sharing that. Not at all. I think before I share that though, I would just say like, I hated all of that. Like I hated pretty much anything that I felt like set me apart from the norm um, in my school. And so a lot of that I associated with both ADHD symptoms and just, yeah, like Latina heritage, just stereotypes, like loud, over the top, um, Mm -hmm. dramatic, sassy, whatever. And so I would just like shove that stuff down. So I think like, so the ways that came up for me was like, yeah, just being really talkative, like super excited about things. Um, and my family, we, a lot of us like live in the Columbus area or like Ohio. And um, so we would have big family parties, like, and literally always had dance parties. Like every family party also was a dance party. And so I hated dancing. Like I just, there are so many things that for me, I was just so uncomfortable with. Cause again, I was like uncomfortable with it in myself and that it like, set me apart from others and so Mm. in my family then like I like I hated dancing like I didn't want to dance but like my family was so fun and I always felt like man why can't I just like have fun with them but then I'd be at school and I'm like whoa I don't want to be too crazy you know so I was constantly back and forth between like um those two worlds and I think also with my family like everyone is like super passionate, super like hardworking, super strong-willed, determined, um, and just like very, um, they just love to have fun. So like, I think all of our family times always just felt like very, um, they were just like amazing and super fun. But again, like oftentimes the, the characteristics of like my family members were things that I have and hate it because I just like in a school setting, like those things make you stand out more than Mm. um, other things. And I was like, not down for that. 
I already had like a very long and hard name and brown skin and I just didn't want any other things that like would point me out as like different. Yeah. So what is your maiden name? <laughs> it's Ben Alcazar. That's oh. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So you had brown skin and a very long name that was hard to pronounce for white people. And you felt like you didn't fit in at school with your friends. And you also didn't fit in with your family and Mm -hmm. weren't sure like what, were, were you unsure of like what you wanted or who you wanted to be? Or did you not know that it was an option that you got to like choose who you were? Does that make sense? Yes. I think that I didn't know I could choose Mm. because I think that I knew to some extent what I wanted, but it felt impossible to live that out. Like I said, like with my family, like, like my grandma was like the biggest (laughs) one that would always try to get me out on the dance floor. And I like had to fight her hard (laughs) like, and I, but I like wanted to be okay with it, but I was so like twisted up in my own thoughts about like, just, I am not okay. Like not comfortable with myself that, um, I just, I would resist her Mm -hmm. attempts all the time. And so I think that I knew what I wanted. It just felt like I can't do that. Like, that's not like I literally can't like let down enough to be that kind of person because then again, like in school settings and other spaces, like I don't want to draw the attention that I feel like being that kind of person would be. So like, I would just need to keep that under wraps. So I like, I can't expose that Mm -hmm. even though I want to, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I'm curious what, you thought would happen if you did expose that in a school setting or what did happen when you did expose that? I think that mostly I just have a lot of like, I mean, there are definitely like specific circumstances, but more just like vague impressions of like drawing like negative attention from those things. Or, like, yeah, just, like, being made fun of or, like, being dumb or, like, goofy or over the top about something and then being, like, oh, that, like, no one else thought that was funny or, like, that was not the time to say that or, like, you took that joke too far. Like, one, you know, like, just making things awkward or making things, um, I don't know, just, like, killing the fun in a lot of ways because I would like raise the bar too high and then it just all came crashing down that's kind of like the impression of like my memories did it ever actually come crashing down or were you just was that like a like a mind thing like are there examples of it coming crashing down or were you like you know like the room would get quiet and then you would kind of like assault yourself in your brain I'm just curious no yeah it was definitely that yep but in my head, that meant like 
and everyone hates me now. Okay, right. Cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Okay. So you said that when you were diagnosed with ADHD, so much fell into place for you. What, what fell into place? Like what made sense when you were diagnosed? So that was like only a year, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I am hyperactive and inattentive and, um, I just am like, what do I even say here? Everything, like my whole <laughs> life just feel like, I just feel like it like gave me a lens to see what was happening. Um, why my day-to-day reality was why I was like chronically stressed and chronically tired and um, like why I was always late, why I never knew um what time it was or where I was supposed to be except like five minutes before I was supposed to be there. Like why I would plan out our weekends, like fill them up and every weekend be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Why did I do this? And then like, just do it again and again and again and again. And like, like all of those things I hated about myself, but I never, like, I had no idea what to do with them. And it didn't feel like I could change them. Like it just like, they just were happening and I knew they were happening and I hated that they were happening. Um, so the ADHD, like I had a really amazing psychologist who diagnosed me and was able to explain it very well to me. And that was just like, so freeing to like understand neurologically, like what is happening and how that produces, um, how that produced my daily experience. So that was, I mean, most of that is like adult life stuff. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, it just was fascinating to look back. And again, like I had written out a document of like all of the ways that I had seen, like, oh my gosh, like, okay. Like now I see how ADHD explains like all of these experiences. Um, so yeah. Hmm. You're so lucky slash blessed slash fortunate slash privileged to have (laughs) such a great experience with your psychologist. I'm so glad that that was such a beautiful experience. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So you were diagnosed in, did you say November of 2019? Yeah. And then you opted into focus in December. Yeah. Right. You were one of the OGs. Yep. Like, how did you do that so quickly where you were like diagnosed, join, and you've been in for 13, 14 months now? Like what, like, tell me about that and, and your experience in Focused. Um, I am, okay, so I'm an Enneagram one. So I (laughs) like have a huge fear of being like bad, wrong, um, all of those things. So ADHD essentially was like me living my worst fear every day. It felt like, like all of the symptoms Mm. of ADHD, I, I attributed to like, I am a terrible human. Like I cannot get my crap together. And like, I'm the worst for not being able to get my crap together. Um, so when I came across your podcast, I just was like, oh my gosh, like 
helped me understand so much of ADHD. And then when you were talking about the first month and focus being on vision and values, um, my husband had said that fall before he knew, before we knew I had ADHD, um, he was like, Ab, I just want you to like figure out like what you want to do with your life. <laughs> like not like in a mean way, but just like, like he was like, I want you to have a job that you love and like that, you know, like what you want to do and like go after it. And I was just like, I remember looking at him like in our living room, like, are you crazy? Like, what do you mean? What do I want to do? I was like, I don't like, I, I was just so baffled by his like, like passionate desire for me. I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you even know what you want to do with your life? So then like, you're talking about like your vision and values, like on your podcast and mentioning how that's like the first month in focus. And I just was like, well, like she's been super helpful through the podcast and I've like learned a ton just listening to her. So like Henry wants me to figure out what I want to do with my life. This sounds like a good next step. Henry to take. wants me to. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up and I just like, I think I was just so convinced that you could help me. Like I was mm-hmm. like, there's no doubt in my mind. Like I already, like all of her podcasts have been so mm. helpful. Like anything, like anything that I pay her for, like, duh, that's going to help me. Like mm. the podcasts have already helped me so much, you know? Mm. So it was kind of a no brainer. Like, and that's what I, I think that's why I started talking about the Enneagram one. Like it just, like Henry keeps saying, like, I was like, so ready for change. Like I knew, like, I hate my daily experience and I was attributing it all to like morality and me just being like a terrible human, but that I was just like ready to like, okay, let's, let's grow. Let's, you know, stop being a terrible human and move on with life. And Mm. yeah. So many of us do that. It just makes me so sad to think of all of the people in the world who just don't know that they're like the things that they don't like about themselves and the things that they like keep trying to change that they just can't change. Like there's so many adults with ADHD walking around, just not knowing that it's ADHD. Yeah. Breaks my heart. So then you promptly quit. So tell us about that. That was amazing. Yep. So, I didn't expect to have this conversation on the podcast, by the way, but <laughs> I think it makes sense to yeah. chat about it. So tell us. Yeah. So I signed up to like, you know, figure out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life in that one month of vision and values. That and one month. <laughs> you sent out a workbook and I figured, okay, like this workbook will, you know, solve my problems and then oops I'll be able to um like I only signed up for focus with the intention of doing January so Mm -hmm. I was not thinking about it in terms of like long term like the only reason I signed up was because of the topic for January like um I had no idea what coaching was like literally like a coaching group I was like I don't know what that means but I know that like Kristen thinks says good things so whatever I like So I had no idea, like zero concept of what coaching was. Um, So I signed up. I got really sick um, the first two weeks of January. I was like sleeping pretty much for two weeks. And then, um, so I was not doing the workbook, not 
listening to the calls, not, like literally not engaging with focused at all or at all. Um, so then the last two weeks of January, I was like panicking kind of like, oh my gosh, I only have two weeks left before I'm going to like end my time in this group. And like, ah, I'm like, what am I doing? And then you were sending out emails for February and like February's topic and that the workbook was going to get sent out. And I was just like, I haven't even done January's workbook. Like yeah. I can't move on to February. Like I haven't figured out my life yet. I need to do that first. <laughs> um, so I emailed you and just said like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop. Like I'm going to quit and I'm going to um, like work through the rest of January's workbook and, you know, try to figure out my life and like, thanks for the workbook, essentially. Like, thanks for the memories. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I was just like really convinced that all I needed was the workbook. And yeah. um, I remember you just challenging that, like what other ways could focus like be a support and a resource for you, even if you like never do the workbooks. And I was like, oh, then that's a waste of money, obviously. Like (laughs) I was in it for the workbook, if you can't tell. I love it. (laughs) And what's so fascinating, because we've also had this conversation, you know, prior to this, is that you're the only person that I've ever challenged on a cancellation like people come and go and it's no problem at all and it's none of my business like it's really none of my business but for some reason I felt like so compelled and I believe that it was like totally divine intervention kind of a thing where I was just like I just felt so compelled to reach out and be like are you sure like is this something have you thought it through in this way or would you want to would you consider thinking it through in this way and you were down for it and you really you really went for that conversation and and I'm so glad because to watch you evolve over the last year has been (laughs) mind-blowing yeah it's been mind-blowing for me too (laughs) so tell me you said like um you don't know much about you didn't know much about coaching where has coaching led you? I now have a coaching business. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. You guys, it's so amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Tell me everything. Yeah, I, I had no idea um, anything about coaching and over the course of, okay, so like, yeah, quit, like actually quit focused in January and then re-upped it like right before February. So like, I remember I had to like give you all my card information again because I had like canceled everything. Um, so pretty much February through, I would say May to June really was like, I just ran with everything you were telling us and um processed through like so much stuff with Henry and really just like everything all of the tools that you were giving us just like clicked with my brain and I was like oh my gosh like this makes so much sense like I understand how everything that I am thinking affects like everything that I do um and before I just had no idea because hyperactive ADHD is like so many thoughts all the time. Like I was, I was aware of what I was thinking, but 
like felt zero control over any of my thoughts. It was just like, my thoughts are happening to me at a very rapid pace. (laughs) And I'm like doing my best to just like not drown. Um, So learning how to manage my mind was like magic. Like it literally Mm -hmm. felt like magic. I was just like, oh my gosh, I never knew I could control what I think. I just had no idea, like Mm -hmm. did not know. Um, so that just was like a huge resource for me. And I just loved it. I was like telling anyone and everyone that I knew, like I spent a lot of time with high school girls and I was just like, girls, like, do you know that why you're upset right now is because you're thinking like something about that person. That's probably not even true. Um, and so just stuff like that, like, it just was like the air that I breathed, like it became something that was so transformational for me and I just wanted everyone to know like the same things that I was learning Mm. so yeah so then like at some point like I Henry and I kind of I coached him through like a lot of stuff in the summer he made like some really major life changes and um at one point in August like we were just like sitting at the table and he was just like Gab like why don't you have your own coaching business and I was just like meh like I literally was like shrugged him off and just like laughed and was like, what are you talking about again? What do I want to do with my life? What are you talking about? There's a trend here. I'm Um, seeing a theme. (laughs) So I just disregarded his comment. I just kind of laughed it off and didn't think twice about it. And then a couple weeks later, um, I just started thinking about it again and like kind of asking Jesus, like, is this something you want me to pursue? Like actually, or is this just like Henry being dumb and like not being like dumb, but just like, you know, making jokes. Um, And then I filed for an LLC and (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So who do you coach? Um, I have you like worked that out yet. Do you, do you know? I don't really know. I think I coach people that are willing to step into the hard spaces of change um, Mm. and are like longing for that change. Mm. Um, Because I think that's where I was. Like I was so like distraught over where I was and I was just like hopeless. Like I was just resigned to the fact that like this is just going to be my daily experience. And I don't feel like I have any control over that. Mm. Um, so I feel like I coach people who, who feel like that, who want um, something different than what they currently are experiencing, but who feel like it is like totally unattainable, like mm. impossible to change this, you know? I am so filled with anticipation for like all of the people that you're going to walk through that journey. That's so beautiful and fun to think about. I would love to know a little bit now that of course we are never like done and evolved, right? But um, you've done so much work in the last year, so much work. And you've, just like you said, like waded into those hard spaces and you've questioned everything and you've made some really big life decisions as well. Big, scary, hard choices that you've made 
um, because you wanted to, like you allowed yourself to do that, which I think is so beautiful. Um, and walking that journey with you has been, it's just been such a privilege for me. And I would love to ask you about your identity now. Like, where are you at now with who you are and your, your ADHD and Latina and white identity? Like, where are you with all of that? That's a big question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, like initially emailing you for this podcast was a um, just like a healing process in and of itself um, in me even identifying my jumbled up identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, like I said before, with ADHD diagnosis, it made sense of so much for me, like immediately, like, I just feel like I was able to see so many pieces fall into place. Um, but thinking about like my, whatever I call it, I don't know what I call it, my dad being Ecuadorian and my mom being white, thinking about all of that in context of ADHD and in context of like, am I okay? Like that is the question that I have answered for 20 years with a resounding no. Like Mm. I am not okay. Who I am is not okay. Like how I show up at school, not okay. How I show up with my family, not okay. Um, And I think I've just been realizing again through like even just responding to your email, like I have fought so hard against um, that reality of that I say is reality of like me not being okay. Um, I've fought so hard against the fact that like I am half white and half Ecuadorian that I literally like, I cannot just like fit into whatever that means, like white culture. Like I do not have the automatic same perspective as you do with like you being fully white. Like even if you have other cultural experiences that I don't have, like there is like a, there was something about having a different color of skin living in the States where you're like, okay, like that's a different experience. Likewise though, I do not fit fully into Ecuadorian culture. (laughs) Like I'm very white with brown skin, you know? And so I always made that such a problem. Like I always just was like, I don't fit. Like I don't have, um, I don't have an identity. Like I don't know who I am. I don't speak Spanish. Well, I speak like daily life Spanish, like a very white person, you know, no accent, no whatever. And I always was embarrassed by that. I felt like I should speak Spanish better. Um, and then Yeah. So I just like, I think I just made a lot of narratives about not fitting in either space. I believed those narratives to be true. And I think what I'm learning with my identity is just like, I like fitting into spaces does is irrelevant. (laughs) Like it does not matter. We all occupy our own space. Like there is no space to fit into. We can only ever fit in the space that we because like we are all so different that it's like 
literally impossible for any of us to fit into any other space than the one I'm currently in. So for me, it's just been identifying like, okay, what is that space? And for me, it's like that space is half white (laughs) and half Ecuadorian. That space is ADHD. That space is feeling like my name is too long, but wanting to say it and have people say it anyway. Um, feeling uncomfortable with, you know, not speaking Spanish, but I'm, and those are the things where I'm like, no, my space is that I speak Spanish like a white person and I can't carry very long conversations. Like that's my space. That's my jam. You know, like that is who I am. And before I just felt so much shame over like all of like ADHD symptoms, all of the ways I wasn't Ecuadorian enough or all the ways I was like too not white. (laughs) And like, now I'm just like, wait, no, like, there's no like badness attached to any of that. Like, that's just, that's my jam. That's my space. Like that is the place that I take up in the world and that's okay. That's just reality. Hmm. Is there anything else that you would say to people who just are really resonating with your message, who are feeling like they don't fit in, who are feeling like they, they just haven't been able to really define their identity or they didn't even know it was an option available to them. I feel like I say this a lot, but I would just say like, just start to notice stuff, like start to notice what is actually reality. Like if you are half white and half something else or you know like whatever like and maybe that's like well I don't need to notice that like I know that right but start to notice like that that is just a fact like it's not a problem to be solved it just is like your experience um and I would say like start to notice all of the ways that you uniquely show up in the world like Mm. all of the things that maybe before you've shamed yourself for, or you've um, been embarrassed about, or um, I don't know, just even like things that you feel like for me, it was like, I always had to keep myself in line. So like, what are the things that you feel like you're like shoving down or trying to rein in and not like come out of you um, simply because it makes you not fit in, like, just notice, like, what are those things? And then start to realize, like, that's just my reality. Like, I do not need to fit into anything else. Like, all of those aspects of me, like, all of those things that I'm noticing, like, that is where I fit. Like, that is the space I occupy. And there is nothing wrong with that. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. You... I know that this is going to be so encouraging for so many people. Um, even if racial identity isn't something that, you know, you particularly that you need to face, like if you're a white person listening to this identity itself is something that we still can relate to. And we can still apply those words of like, what do I think makes me stand out that I have been trying to suppress to, Mm -hmm. to people, please like, to protect myself, to um, make sure that I don't, you know, 
I'm not like rejected, you know, all of those things, all of those things are so important. If you don't mind with your permission, I would love to read something that you sent me on Instagram because it is so beautiful. Hang on, wait for it. (laughs) Okay. So you wrote to me, humans are like snowflakes, but actually that's pretty much the deep and hard work that I am doing, accepting that fact. For so much of my life, I've spent so much time and energy trying to fit in, or at least trying not to stand out. But with brown skin, Spanish-speaking family, and a name like, can you say it for me? Gabriela Benalcazer. In a predominantly white world, that's not really an option. But I still fought for it, or maybe fought against it. I fought against myself fiercely. And you're doing the work of what? Dropping the fight? Yeah. Yeah. I think realizing like no matter how hard I fight against myself, I am myself, you know? And I think that's what's um, in one way like so deeply sad about when we don't realize that. Um, but on the other hand is so deeply freeing. It's like, there's literally nothing that I can do to change like who I am, like the things that make up me, not talking about the things you want to change and that like you want to improve on, but just like the core of who I am. Like I, yeah, I, again, I'm like 50% Ecuadorian, 50% white, 100% ADHD, those (laughs) facts are not changing. Like there's nothing I can do to change those facts. And the way that I show up in the world because of that is not changing either. You know, like I'm not automatically like overnight going to have a Spanish accent that like sounds super good. Like, no, I'm white and I'm Ecuadorian and that's just my life, you know? Yeah. I love that so much. So if someone listening to this is really resonating with your message and would like to reach out to you, are you okay with that? And if so, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on Instagram, I am Gabriella B. Taylor. Um, Gabriella is G-A-B-R-I-E-L-A, only one L. Yeah, all the weird things with my name. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the easiest way to reach me. Great. I will link that um, in the show notes so that people can find you there easily. Thank you. I appreciate you. I have loved having you as a part of the Focus community, but more importantly, just my life. You have enriched it and I am so glad to know you. Likewise. I am so thankful for you. Hey, ADHDer, I see you. I know exactly what it's like to feel lost, confused, frustrated, and like no one out there really understands the way that your brain works. That's why I created Focused. Focused is my monthly coaching program where I lead you through a step-by-step process of understanding yourself, feeling better, and creating the life that you know you're meant for. You'll study, be coached, grow, and make amazing changes alongside of other educated professional adults with ADHD from all over the world. Visit IHaveADHD.com slash focused to learn more.